I'm Paul Hamill and you're listening to the Grassroots Coach Podcast, a podcast for grassroots soccer enthusiasts. You need to protect children because children, for me, equality is the most important. You must give equal playing time to all your players. And when you give equal playing time, it means that you focus less on winning with your team. Because when you absolutely want to win the game, you have played. This is for me very important to create as a federation equal chances. And you need to implement some some, uh, regulations. What we, for instance, have in Belgium, that we play in quarters, yeah? So we play four times, 20 minutes, and all the substitutes, they must enter, they must play after the first quarter and the third quarter. And so there is an obligation, it's compulsory that every child plays at least 50% playing time, 40 minutes, every weekend. In this episode, I speak with Bob Browes, Head of Youth at the Royal Belgian FA and Technical Director of the Flemish FA, where we discuss Belgian FA, visions and plans, development versus winning, making new mistakes, and the sort of questions managers should ask at the end of youth games. Bob, uh, delighted to have you on the podcast. Uh, thank you for uh, taking the time out to uh, talk to me. Um, the first thing I'd say to you is, any I, I would have known you back in my days in, in the FAI. Anytime I ever talked to somebody about you, so somebody who has maybe competed against you or, or somebody who has met you at tournaments, they'd always say that you're always very generous with your time and you're very generous uh, with me here today. Is that is that something that is important to you? And, and I'm thinking in the heat of battle, in competition, that's I only ever hear that about you. Yeah, I think it's important for me. For me, it's a value uh, to share ideas, to uh, to speak with people about football, about youth football. We are all uh, passionate by yeah by youth football. When we see the eyes of uh, of the kids, um, we're always happy. So. Yeah, for me, it's important to share a lot of information. The more I share, the more information I get back. And for me, it's also like, yeah, sometimes a kind of confirmation, but also feedback. What can I do better in my daily uh, work time? So, yeah, the conversations are very important for me, uh, like today, to have this with you and with other people. It's always interesting. Okay. When I think of Belgium, right, I think of household names. Okay. So regular Champions League players, uh, world ranking for the men, uh, ranked number one. And I suppose from my time in the association, I, I think of late developers, right? So back 15 years ago, something I'd never heard about. Um, when you think of Ireland, and let's say you get you get drawn against Ireland in a U tournament. What what springs to mind for you in terms of even if you could think of? And I know it might be a difficult question because every team you'll play each year will be different, and you'll you'll analyze that team, etc. But in general, if you were to say you know three things, three positive things about Irish football, you'd say, or three areas maybe you would think Belgium would have a competitive advantage over us. What what would spring to mind in relation to that? Yeah. So. Um, it's a good question. Not easy to uh, to find these three uh, yeah, strengths and maybe areas to develop. The last game I played against uh, Ireland was in uh, in Dublin, um, 2019 uh, European Championship. So it was a, a very exciting game that we played. We we made a draw, but we were qualified for the yeah the the, the next round, and Ireland was eliminated. But it was very close. So. 
I think for me, yeah, the youth level in Ireland, national youth teams, is quite good. It's it's like Belgian level, and it's it's even difficult for a Belgian national youth team to to beat Ireland always when we play against them. It's it's a difficult game. So of course you you show or your players show a lot of passion always on the field. Um, this is really a strength. Um, I see also there's always a team on the pitch. So um, they have a fantastic um, yeah, team spirit that is even inspiring the, the Belgian teams. And yeah, always a drive to, to play forward, to score, to um, really to play for winning the, the game. And it means that, okay, the passing is um, really progressive forward. And I think, yeah, it, it means it's a difficult game because you need to be very well organized on counterattacks. Uh, if not, uh, you cannot uh, win the game against Ireland. So um, the other question is a little bit more difficult to say really, and I'm, I'm, I try to be humble, what, what can yeah, Ireland learn from Belgium national youth teams is a little bit difficult. But and, and, and I don't mean it in that way, but I mean, if you were to say you know, Belgium players would have a competitive advantage in, in particular areas. What, yeah. what would what would they be? Maybe maybe in the in the dribbling. Yeah, I think you I, always some dribbling players, maybe one, two, but um, it's maybe more a passing uh, game that you play. So really, yeah, creativity and dribbling. So what one v one situations 1v1, and that kind of yeah, thing? One, yeah, yeah, one v one, right decision making. In the one v one, and so I think the dribble for us is is very important as a solution. Um, maybe also the the playing out against pressure. I, I, I see an evolution. You you do this better and better, but um, this is really for us important. Okay, that our defenders also learn to play out from uh, yeah from the defense, starting with the goalkeeper. And always try to find a solution by building up short passing, uh, long passing, but uh, never kicking the ball away. So um, this may be a second point. And then also a third point is uh, yeah, the, the center backs um, that maybe they take a little bit more initiative. I'm convinced that they have the quality, qualities also to do some penetrations to go even into the box and then to behave a little bit like a striker because the profile of a, of a center back is often the profile of a striker a tall would get a heading and and this is maybe a little bit what what i miss when i analyze the the games of uh, the national teams of ireland the just that whole area of team spirit that we we often hear here about um Irish players, you know, always, you know, a strong mindset. And is, is that something that maybe we, we take for granted here? Is that something in Belgium that you need to work on? Is that, is that a, an area that if, if it's not naturally there, that you need to actually work on that team spirit um, desire and that kind of thing? Yeah, indeed. For Belgium, it's really um, yeah, a big challenge. As you know, in Belgium, yeah, we have uh, players, people, speaking Dutch language, French language, sometimes German. We have also the same situation with our young football players. And sometimes they cannot communicate. And for me, communication is really a key in, uh, in team building process. 
So we have to force it when we are together during training camps. Uh, we have to learn our players to, to communicate. What's the common language, Bob, in, in the, the national the, both, setup? Both, both yeah, languages. Okay, okay. Both. So in school, okay, they start learning the Dutch a little bit French and uh, the Walloons a little bit Dutch, but it's not so easy. But it's very interesting. So, and then of course you have a little bit English also because English is the, the language of the football uh, dressing room. And this is a, a huge uh, challenge. Uh, I, I, I never knew that, right? Together, that's, yeah. that's really interesting. And, and you hear of the modern manager, a lot of the modern top managers are, are multilingual. You know, you hear of Ancelotti going to various countries and learning the language. So, so does that mean you need to be multilingual, even though you would have learned these um, languages in school? Um, is, that, is that something that's important for you as, as a manager? Yeah, for me, it's very important that they use the, the activities of the national youth team also yeah, to learn another language yeah, and to communicate. And communication, as I said, is very important. And a little bit of social competences to develop. I think maybe today it's, it's not so easy yeah, for, uh, for young boys uh, where you have the PlayStation, you have social media. This is really what changed in the last years. We have to learn them how to communicate. And, and this is a huge challenge. The, the situation in Belgium is also not um, only about different in languages, but also different in cultures. Hmm. So it's really multicultural um, yeah, behavior or, or environment that we see in Belgium. And um, yeah, we have to, to learn this to our players. And it's not so easy that when I, I play a first national game. It's not so easy to to see team on the on the field. Yeah, Bob, um, just your own background in the game. Did did you play? Did you coach as a youngster? What was your own kind of um, development or, or involvement in the game? Yeah, so I was um, a former goalkeeper. Oh. Um, I played three games at the highest level in Belgium. Uh, yeah, competition, yeah, professional game. But I was, I was not good enough as a professional player. So then I went down and um, yeah, I played several years in, uh, on, on amateur level. But I studied also physical education at the University of Ghent. And, and I was yeah, very, very interesting in, in, a, in a career as a coach, more than in a career as a player. So I started Belgian Ave when I was 13 years old. I started also as a national youth coach uh, in 99. Sorry, what, what age were you? At, yeah, at, sorry. At, uh, 30, 30 years old. 30. In 1999. So now I'm uh, 52. And, and um, therefore, also, I coached uh, on grassroots level, uh, under 15, under, under 16 teams. So this is a little bit my, my age group that um, I'm doing since I'm 20 years, 21, 22 years old. Because I'm fascinated by this age group. As you know, it's not the most easiest uh, age group. Uh, the puberty, they, uh, yeah, they, they come into another world, yeah, more a world of uh, adults. And um, on the other hand, you need to give them also time to grow to uh, from childhood to to adults. Uh, and this is this is amazing how you see in two years when you're working two years with them and the evolution in two years. It's amazing, and this is. Um, Really interesting for me. Any any more difficult for a goalkeeper to become a coach than an outfield player? 
I don't know. I think we have an advantage that during the game, we see all the players. Mm. It's a huge advantage. So we are coaching the whole time. We are coaching, of course, our defense, but it's um, also high demanding on concentration, on focusing. And for me, coach needs this also. And from the beginning, I was fascinated by uh, the tactical aspect of football and also uh, by the development of, of uh, players by the learning um, capacity that uh, we, we can reach um, also with players. So, yeah, maybe because I, I was a goalkeeper, I don't know, but it, I think it was a good environment for me to, uh, to progress and to develop uh, this, yeah. The, um, just when you mentioned the, the different languages and kind of the different cultures and that, uh, another thing I, I often think of with Belgium is I, I always was aware of plans that Belgium had for, for development, John, visions and plans. Um, and, and in Ireland, we, we would have visions and plans as well. But we all have our own unique challenges with plans and implementation of them, etc. What, what are the challenges you, you have in Belgium and that in that culture, the, the different languages to, to try and get these visions out there, um, consulting in relation to it and then implementing them. Are there, are there kind of unique challenges that the Belgian FA have there? Yeah, indeed, of course, we, we need to do a lot of translation, but we try to do this in English uh, often. And um, I think it's very important that you organize a lot of uh, discussion groups. Yeah. So we, we started in 99, uh, also with a, a plan, with a vision. We call this Vision 2000, because maybe you remember the, the World Cup in 98, uh, the European Championship uh, 2000 that we, together with the Netherlands, organized. It was a disaster for Belgium. And we didn't love at that moment the way that uh, yeah, our Belgian players played football. Okay, there was a lot of commitment, but we only had one, two skillful players, dribbling players. So we wanted to change this. And as you know, when your national team is not playing well and there are no results, it's easier to come with a plan and to change, yeah? Because to change is not, not always easy. You need change management and you need, yeah, to create yeah, an environment, uh, a situation that you can inspire people who want to follow you in your plans. And this is only possible when you make your plan together with other people. So we have some ideas. It started, of course, in our uh, technical department of the, of the Belgian FA, in our coach education. We came together with all the teachers of coach education and also the national youth coaches. But then we invited also people from the clubs. And this is very important that you listen to people, to experts working in the clubs. Because what you need is an implementation in the clubs of your vision. And you can only have success when the vision is implemented in the club. Because there are a lot of plans, but there is no real realization in practice. And this is very important uh, that you create a community that you're listening, you're discussing. And at the end, you say, okay, you go for this vision, for this direction. And there are different ways uh, to Rome to achieve your uh, objectives, but you need a plan. I'm convinced you need a vision, you need a plan, and you need a lot of people who believe in the plan and who want to realize this and on long term. So we started in 99 really with a plan and we realized, yeah, maybe something because we, we, we were working on long term uh, with our national youth teams and our federation projects 
uh, coach education in the clubs. We increased the quality of the youth academies. And it was really a work that we did together with club. Um, Bob, 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 when you reach out to club, when you when you reach out to clubs for in, in terms of consultation, is it is it you know the, the practicalities of that? Is it is it invites to every club to send a representative to the regional discussion, or is it more targeted at particular influencers or, or individuals? You have to combine this. When yeah. you think you there are some experts in your country, you need to uh, invite them. But I think it's also important that you um, ask um, like a group who is representing a level or um, a region that they decide themselves who they will send to the, the discussion group in the federation. Yeah. So this is also, also important that you give opportunity to all your people, to all your football leaders, to all your coaches to participate at this kind of uh, workshops. What, 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 is the, what is the dynamic like at those? Could you describe the dynamic? Because there's a lot of passion in, in, in football and sport. Like I would presume it can be quite challenging because people are so passionate and opinionated. Yeah. Yeah, of course, you need to listen. But then, of course, you need to decide also. Hmm. You need deciders. So it's, you need also people with, um, with leadership. We call this a little bit transformational leadership. It means that you find leaders, leaders who are able to change, yeah? And when you want to change, you have to explain this. Why, the why, the answer on why is very important, but certain moment, you have to decide. And uh, this is important that, uh, yeah, you find people who are able to make big decisions also. Do they, in Belgium, do they tend to be well-known people, well-respected people? Are they former professional players or academics or is it a mixture of, of all the above? Yeah, I think also you have to go for a mixture and it is in Belgium. So you need to show a lot of respect for uh, former professional players. But of course, it's not the same. Yeah, it's, it's not because you were a fantastic uh, football player that you become a fantastic coach. Yeah, let's say a youth coach. Because sometimes they are too much focusing on winning because the last period in their career was as a senior player, it was about winning. And then they make uh, the transit, the transfer to a coaching career. And often they take their winning mindset too much with them because when you're working with youth, it's about development. And then it's interesting also to have people with a, a pedagogical background coming from a university that, okay, they can inspire each other. And um, for me, it's not about what is good and what is bad. I think it's about cooperation, to listen to everybody and to use the strengths, to use the qualities of all the people who are working around you in your society, in your community, in your country, and people who are loving football. For me, first criteria is to show passion. Yeah? You need to find people with passion for football. And then I think you can, yeah, you can realize a lot when you're working with passionate people. You know, um, just because you mentioned it there, um, I, I was going to get to this a bit later, but you know that this whole development versus winning debate, particularly at, at younger age groups, and, and once you get into the match situation, so, you know, there are, there are goals, there are scores, whether it's small-sided or 11-a-side. Or, um, like in... in 
practical terms, how do you change that mindset? Because everybody wants to win the game once you get into that um, invasive game situation that, that, you know, both managers want to win. Only one team can win unless you draw. Um, like, how does that work on the ground to try and change that mindset whereby it's okay it's okay to lose because actually you normally learn more from losing. I'm not saying you go out to lose, but generally speaking, you learn more from not winning. <laughs> yeah, indeed. So uh, it's, it's, um, it's not easy and it's a really big challenge. And for me, everything started with a good coach education. Yeah. Because then you can influence um, coaches while following courses um, so we need to inspire them and we need to explain what is the difference between working with youth players and working with senior players. And youth players, youth means we need to develop them. Yeah. Oh, but now, when you say youth, up to what age are you talking? Yeah, for me, it's until the moment that they play in the first team. Yeah, and even okay. then, they can learn a lot. But the environment... To create when you're working with players until 18 years must be based on making progress yeah and like you you said making mistakes the more mistakes you're making the more you're learning and what i call this it's about making of course new mistakes because they need to learn about their mistakes and this is the the, the difference between a youth coach and a senior coach a huge coach must ask players also things that they still have to learn yeah when a goalkeeper is not so good in playing out, you have to ask the goalkeeper to play out against high pressure. And he will be, do this better yeah, after a period. When you're working with seniors, then you only ask the things that they can do because if not, you will lose. Yeah? You have to win games. Senior football is about winning, winning, winning. So it means when my goalkeeper is not in senior football, not so good in playing out against high pressure, I will say to my goalkeeper, do not take risks, a long ball, and it's good. Yeah. So this is a huge difference. And do you know, Bob, in terms of narrative, right? The way the way people communicate with each other. Like if I if I was in a club with you, a youth club, and we both played at the weekend, what would you ask me? Like, would you would you ask me, Paul? Did you win at the weekend, or what? What would you What would you ask me? When you're working with youth players and um, youth coaches, the question, the right question is first. Did your players have fun? And secondly, were they learning a lot? Yeah. Mm. And okay, of course, the kids, they want to win. But you need to explain as a youth coach, your kids, that every time that you're making a mistake is like a gift of God. <laughs> you will become a better player. And you need, you need to, to um, appreciate this. So, and when you are focused too much as a youth coach on winning, 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 and you create an environment, yeah, always winning, 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 and the kids are losing, okay, you create disappointment. But when you create an environment that is a, a strong environment to learn, yeah, they like playing football, they have fun, and okay, they are losing, they must play to win the game. This is very important. Yeah, I, I think that's an important point, right? Because even I, I think a lot of Irish people, bear in mind our culture is we have a, a GAA game, Gaelic football, um, you know, equally as popular as, as soccer. And the, where we started this conversation around the, the Irish team spirit, I think, you know, a lot of people would say it comes from 
a mentality of that game, which is quite robust. You know, you can catch the ball, you can you can kick it, um, quite physical. Um, that having that com- that that team spirit, a competitive spirit, comes from a winning mentality. And and I suppose I often find it challenging to kind of go, well, you can go out to try and win a game, which is which is fine, but it's not about winning the league per se. No, but you have to make a difference between the coaching behavior and this must be a behavior directed to developing players. Mm. And then the player behavior is, of course, about showing winning mentality. Yeah? Mm. Winning mindset, very important. But winning mindset is more than only about winning play to win a game. Winning mindset means also for me, do everything to progress. Because when you progress, you will win or you will have more chance to win. Yeah. At the end of the season, players must make a progress of 20%. And then the team also will be stronger. Yeah. And uh, it means that we need also to develop the winning mindsets. Yeah. And when we speak about national youth teams, we need to identify players with a winning mindset. Yeah. So this is for us a key criteria of talent to find players with a winning mindset. But you as a coach, you coach to develop. And the more you coach to develop, you will even create more an environment that players must show also their winning mentality. Yeah, Because you create a very difficult environment. Learning, it means you learn faster when the environment is difficult. When it's too easy, you are not learning. When you are every year, the best player in your group, in your team, you are not learning so much, yeah? So you have to find the right balance, of course, between, okay, challenging and between maybe, yeah, achieving also your uh, objectives. And this is completely different when uh, you speak about coaching behavior and the players' uh, qualities to develop. And it's, I know it's not easy to explain this to, uh, to coaches and uh, because often coaches... And, and, and to parents. And the parents, yeah. But therefore, also as a federation, you need to protect children because children, for me, equality is the most important. You must give equal playing time to all your players. And when you give equal playing time, it means that you focus less on winning with your team because when you absolutely want to win the game, you have played with your, maybe not with your high potentials, but with your high performers and with players who are very, very strong, uh, early developers, and you will not even play with your late developers who will maybe have more talent or more, more uh, yeah, uh, will be a better player when they are older. So this is for me very important to create as a federation equal chances. And you need to implement some, some uh, regulations. What we, for instance, have in Belgium, that we play in quarters, yeah? So we play four times, 20 minutes, and all the substitutes, they must enter, they must play after the first quarter and the third quarter. And so there is an obligation, it's compulsory that every child plays at least 50% playing time, yeah? And Bob, is that is, what age, is what ages are you talking about that that, that regulation is? Yeah, so we have a ranking from 11 aside, from under 14. Then we, are, we have ranking. So 
five aside, eight aside until under 13. There is no ranking. So there it's logic that all the players, they, they have equal playing time. It's logic. But the moment there is a ranking, then, okay, coaches, they, they want to, to be champion. They want to be first, yeah? And then there is a danger. There's a dangerous situation. You have to protect and the children. And then we have this uh, regulation. Um, Sorry, just just go back to that. So uh, this regulation would come in at what age group based on what you're talking under about? 14, under on, 14. On, under 14. Okay, very yeah. interesting. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So and and Bob, the, the rate... Under, seven, just yeah. until under 17, yeah. amateur level, every child is playing at least 40 minutes every weekend. And Bob, yeah. how is that regulated on the ground? How, you know, practicalities, referee or the, the managers no, have very, to hand in a card or? No, it's very easy. Um, hmm. so it's an obligation for the club. And okay, uh, the referee, he must not control this. It's up to the club to apply. But when a club is not applying this, and then, okay, opponent can... Uh, can can uh, send a reaction to the to the AV and then the referee will come with his uh, report. But they are doing this because this is a regulation. They are doing this, yeah. And there is also um, a reaction by parents and by the players because they know there is a rule, there is a regulation that after the first quarter I have to play. So when there is a young player sitting on the bench and he will not play second quarter, he will react. Parents will react. So. We in the beginning maybe it was a little bit of evolution, but yeah, it was very very easy to apply. see. Bob, Bob, but any I work in financial services, which is highly regulated, right? And and what I find a reg with any kind of regulation is you can have the very um, the tough regulation, which is based on penalty. You know, so you, you you break the regulation, there are penalties applied, and then you have the operating in the spirit of the regulation, and. You know, I suppose the latter is where you want to be, that people enter into the spirit of it in terms of they know, you know, you're doing this for the right reasons. So the regulation is really just making you do it for the right reasons. But then those that don't enter the spirit of it are, are in that area of penalizing and penalty because you because you haven't done it. I mean, how, how does that work in Belgium? Do you, do you find that people have kind of bought into it so that they, they're entering really into the spirit of that more so than somebody trying to, break a rule whereby then you're trying to put in a protest or whatever the, the terminology might be. Yeah, of course, as sometimes there are situations that we do not uh, support, that we do not accept. Yeah. Hmm. And for me, it's about ethics in sport. So it means that when there is something happening on the pitch that is really against uh, the rights of a child, then uh, the parents, yeah, they, uh, they can call the federation, they can send an email, so there is really also a platform for this. But of course, we want uh, to focus on the positive uh, environment, yeah? And not on, on uh, giving penalties. For me, this is the last step. So an important role for the Federation is to inspire people. Hmm. We have a lot of people also who are visiting clubs, yeah? So they, uh, they go to the clubs, they go the weekend to the games, they analyze the game. And when there is something wrong, after the game, they go to the coach, they go to the coordinator of the, the youth teams, and they discuss. Yeah. So it's they, these, these people you're talking about. It's more important to create this environment than hmm. 
have a system with penalties. Yeah. These people you're talking about, are they staff of the Football Association? Yeah, they, they are staff, yeah. Okay. So we have uh, now in the Flemish part about 16 uh, people and we ask them to visit twice a year every amateur grassroots club. Yeah. Okay, brilliant, yeah. We have about, I think, 800 uh, clubs in Belgium with a youth uh, academy on grassroots level. So every weekend they go to visit the clubs even during the week. And for us, this is very important to do this investment. So then you see also what's happening in the club. You discuss, you are open, you're listening and you are helping. For me, uh, when we send somebody from FA to a club, first thing is to help the clubs, to help the coaches, yeah? Not to force. It doesn't work anymore when you want to force clubs. And no, we need to explain why. Why it's important for the kids. For us, the player, the kids must be in the center. We are organizing youth football for the kids. Also, the club, um, yeah, um, people, leaders, they are doing this for the children. Eh? But, but sometimes they forget it. And, um, and when you have your own son or daughter, yeah, and she, he or she is not playing a lot, I think then, as a club leader, you will see oh, this is not correct. I, I think that's when it hurts, Bob, when it, when it does come down to your own children, if you see them being left, yeah. left to the side. Yeah, yeah, it really, yeah. yeah, yeah. Then, then you feel this. So it's important to show empathy and really to focus on what are the feelings of a child. And we are there to make children happy to play football. And when they are happy, they will have fun and then they will learn also. When they are unhappy, they will not learn. The, just when you mentioned there the, the 16 staff um, in the Flemish FA, just for the listeners of the podcast, um, just the, the, the bit of research that I did. So Belgium uh, split into three regions, so the Flemish region, the, the Walloon region and the Brussels region. A uh, population of 11.5 million, uh, the Flemish region being approximately 6 million. And I'm correct in saying that you are the technical director for the Flemish region of the Belgian FA. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. In, in terms of making some very crude comparisons with Ireland, right? So Ireland population of five and a half million, so similar population to to the Flemish region. Um, Belgium has uh, three and a half thousand clubs, three thousand seven hundred sixty-three clubs. In Ireland, we have two and a half thousand clubs. When I did a very crude uh, piece of maths, um, that worked out at one club per 3,000 people in Belgium. Now, on the basis of your population are going to be a mixture of older people and younger people. So it's quite, it's very crude. One club per 3,000 uh, head of population. In Ireland, one club per 2,000 um, population. So I suppose that we, we would have a higher density of club um, here in Ireland. Uh, FIFA World Ranking for men in Belgium, one for the men, uh, 19 for women. Uh, in Ireland, uh, the men 47 and women 33. And I just um, looked at the club coefficients as well, because I, I think this is important in terms of when you look at where your players can move to if they, if they stay at home in terms of um, the level they, they can play at. And the club uh, coefficients currently would be uh, Belgium at 13 and Ireland at 39. So just want, just, just for the listeners, just for, for some context in terms of where we may be similar 
I'm curious around the names of the teams in Belgium, the, the, the national teams. So the Red Devils, the Red Flames, the Futures and the Beagold. When, when did that start, these names? And where, where was there the need to feel that, that these names were, were an appropriate way to, to call your, your national teams? Yeah, I think it started um, yeah, 10 years ago at the moment that we also felt that um, yeah, we produced uh, better and better players, so 2012, 2014. And of course, there is a commercial aspect also. You have to promote your sport. And I think it helps uh, when you can speak about Red Devils, Red Flames, uh, Big Gold, and so on. But um, for me, the, the content of having a plan and then projects and implement this project in, in practice and also work on long term. For me, this is this is most important. And for me, it's 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 also an opportunity when you have so much clubs in your country. Because I believe really that the heart of your football is the club. Yeah. And what is the role of the FA to help clubs, to support clubs? Yeah. And um, it must be like a little bit of cooperation, yeah, between federation and clubs the whole time. And I think you know the proverb, when you give a fish yeah, to somebody, okay, he can eat for one day, but when you teach to fish, then he has uh, food for his whole life. And so when we can influence a little bit uh, the club structure, and when you can increase the quality of youth development in the clubs, I think then you, you do fantastic work as a federation, because then they will also develop their players better. So... I think this is the role of the federation to um, to give some tools to the clubs to work better. And we have such a system, like an auditing system. We are giving stars, and we are also giving funds to the clubs. The more, the better. The the more quality they produce in the youth uh, development, the more funds that we are giving also to the clubs. And am I correct, Bob, in saying you use that company Double Pass for, for some of that? Do you? That's, yeah, 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 okay. So you fund, the, you fund the club to, to use Double Pass. Yeah, and uh, Double Pass is doing the audits. And this is very important that there is a measurement of quality first. Then there is a report, a report to help the clubs. What can they do better? What is good? To motivate them to do better also. And then it's related to money, yeah, we give more money, more funds to the clubs who are working better. So clubs are very motivated to invest in new development and to progress, yeah. And then, of course, we relate this also to the youth competition structure. It means in, the, in, in Belgium, clubs with uh, three or four stars, youth academies, they are playing against each other, yeah. It's not, it's not about regional uh, only. It's about playing with players against the same level of quality, yeah? And then you see good youth competition also. So this is for us very important that you have different levels, that you give the child, every child, the opportunity to play on the right level, because when the level is too high, it's not good. He will, do, he will not have fun. When the level is too low, he will not learn. So it's about finding the right level and, okay, that also players can change from one club to another club when they can play or when he can play on a higher level. So this is also very important to create this kind of competition structure, a relationship between level 
and quality of youth uh, development. Bob, there just uh, there's a couple of things I wanted to chat to you about there. So in terms of the audit and um, with any audit, I suppose, you know, a, a club will, will send in a report and then there, there may be somebody would go out on an inspection or, or whatever that might be, you know, to, to check the validity of it. Is that, is that, is that the double pass role or are there staff working in your, um, in the Flemish FA that, that that's part of their remit? Um, is, am I correct in saying that or so do, yeah. do your staff have a, have a role in that? Our staff, um, they also uh, has a role in that, but there are two parts. You have the part of the measurements and uh, the reporting. And this, this, this must be really objective, mm. yeah? And this is the reason why the Federation is not doing this, yeah? So we're asking an external uh, yeah, society to do this, like double pass. Yeah. Um, and then in the second phase, then our club uh, supporters, uh, developers, they go to the club and they help the club. Yeah, yeah that, and that's important. You said that it's, yeah. it's the helping it aspect. Yeah, 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 support, yeah. Yeah, they organize a, a strategical uh, meeting with the leaders of the club and they discuss together, okay, what is now in the plan, in, in the report, and let's make a plan, an action plan, yeah? And the people of the Federation are helping the clubs to make a good action plan and to help them. This is the reason why we ask our people to visit twice a year a club, yeah? So every six months, a club gets a visit of somebody from Federation, yeah. Check out thegrassrootscoach.com, a community of grassroots soccer coaches for the sharing of knowledge and best practice.